You're listening to Tom Fitton's weekly update here on JW TalkNet. Hi, everyone. Judicial Watch President Tom Fitton here with our weekly update here on social media. Thanks for joining us. The Constitution is under attack. The Senate impeachment trial of President Trump continues. I'll give you an update on that. Judicial Watch has filed a new Supreme Court brief on the issue of abortion. Abortion's in the news this week. The president spoke at the March for Life. Um, It's a great brief. I'll discuss that and how uh, the rule of law is being upended by radical pro-abortionists. Plus, more confirmation of the crime spree by the Justice Department against President Trump and a whole lot of other innocent Americans. The Justice Department has admitted that the spy warrants, at least two of them, were baseless. Uh, It's just incredible development. So there's a lot to cover today uh, in this special impeachment update uh, from Judicial Watch. Well, I don't know if you've been torturing yourselves or not, but uh, you may have uh, been watching the hostage drama that is the Adam Schiff Kukabal. basically haranguing the Senate, threatening the Senate, trying to intimidate the Senate, trying to pressure the Senate into intervening in our elections this year. Now, uh, we've heard nothing new from Adam Schiff and his group. It is a, uh, as I go to, as I report to you now, I think that it's on our 18 plus of defamation against the President of the United States. And what Schiff and his team have been doing is uh, taking evidence and mischaracterizing it and weaving a conspiracy theory, a fairy tale, I call it uh, impeachment story time, around innocent facts or facts, evidence, nothing other than the following. President Trump was concerned about Ukrainian corruption. And how was he concerned about it? He was raising questions about what they were doing with the Bidens and the cover-up. He was raising questions about uh, Clinton emails and whether Ukraine may have had copies of it. I think that's what he was at least referencing in the transcript that's been released. And he was interested in the issue of the uh, interference in the 2016 elections. And uh, also, the evidence shows, one of the reasons he was interested about Ukraine corruption is uh, the failure of other countries to shoulder the burden in terms of foreign aid to Ukraine. All straightforward policy considerations that any president uh, should be able to make. And in the case of the corruption in Ukraine and its interference in the 2016 election, uh, the president arguably is obligated to pursue and raise questions about. And as a result of these questions, there was a few week delay by the administration in transferring aid to Ukraine. And the aid was ultimately transferred within the legislative required period or the period required under the spending laws. So no harm, no foul. And based on all that information, and the other evidence is that deep state bureaucrats who hate President Trump or disagree with his policy had some concerns about why the aid was being withheld. And they didn't want the aid to be withheld because they disagreed with the president's policy objectives and concerns. And based on that, they're trying to impeach and remove the president. That's how fraudulent this is. And on top of that, the theory is that, well, because the president's asserting executive privilege uh, and privileges which every president is able to exert, uh, that he should be removed from office as well for resisting the abuse of his office and of his civil rights and of our national security and classified information by the Pelosi chef Kukabal. So this is, the, this is the Alice in Wonderland approach. You are guilty, and any effort to defend yourself confirms your guilt. Now, that may work in a totalitarian society. That may work in uh, the logic, uh, logic world of politicians who basically don't feel like they have to abide by any logic or semblance of order or uh, reasonableness. But it's completely at odds with the rule of law in America. 
This is the first time the president, you saw the presentations, or at least the beginnings of the presentations in the earlier debate this week. Uh, this is the first time the president had the ability to defend himself because he was denied that in the House of Representatives. He had no due process. Now they say, well, you know, he had a chance to come in. No, he didn't, practically speaking. The only way he would have been able to participate was to waive all of his privileges. So imagine that. You're told, oh, well, you can come in and defend yourself as long as you uh, basically waive all your constitutional rights. That's exactly what the Pelosi Chef Kukabal was trying to do to Trump. So they filed, the president and his people did, they filed their, uh, his legal team, Jay Sekulow and Pat Cipollone, Pam Bondi. Uh, they filed their legal brief on Monday. And it goes through, and I encourage you to read the brief. I didn't print it out to go over with you. It's 100 pages or so. But it highlights that the president has a right to defend himself. It highlights that there were corruption issues in Ukraine. It highlights that, yes, there were corruption issues related to Biden. And it highlights that the idea that abuse of power, at least in these circumstances, uh, is not an appropriate analysis to bring to bear to the president's behavior or circumstances related to Ukraine. But of course, you know, it's not about Ukraine. And Schiff has kind of exposed that during his arguments and the arguments of his colleagues, uh, which have been uh, basically repetitive uh, and have brought up not evidence, but, as I said, a fantasy theory of Ukraine. And he's went out of his way to defend Trump, I mean to defend Biden. He uh, started bringing up the Russiagate smears. Yes, they are still suggesting the president stole the 2016 election because he colluded with Russia or welcomed Russia interference. That's a smear. It's, 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 they're calling him a traitor based on no evidence. I tell you what, it's a trial, but you could be watching the People's Court and Judge Wapner, and that, frankly, has more rule of law processes in place than this Senate trial. Now, I recognize it's a political process in part, but the idea that you could go into court, any court, and I think, the, I think the Senate should behave this way, they should at least try to follow sensible rules of law, and say, I've got a document, and the document is completely innocent, and you get to characterize it any way you can, any way you want, unhinged from reality. The president withheld aid, and he was asking in doing so for interference in our elections. Even though he's, there's no evidence he wanted them to interfere in our elections. There is no, and I'm going to say this again, there is no evidence the President of the United States invited Ukraine, quote, to interfere in our elections. What's the evidence of that? Asking about Joe Biden? So Joe Biden is immune from scrutiny because he may run for president or was running for president? That's the left's approach here. You can't ask about Hillary Clinton because she's a candidate. And then when she isn't a candidate, well, you know, that's yesterday's news, so you can't ask about her then. You can't ask about Joe Biden, even though there was activity and evidence, frankly, the video, where he admitted to pressuring the Ukrainian government to remove a prosecutor who was in the midst of investigating his son's company, Burisma. Remember, Burisma hired Hunter Biden, who had zero experience, couldn't speak a lick of Ukraine, a Ukrainian. I don't know what, I'm assuming that's the name of the language. It was obviously something they were doing to provide political protection for themselves and gave him an extraordinary amount of money that no other normal board member would get here in the United States or elsewhere. And the president's not allowed to ask about that? Of course he is. And I would argue he's obligated to. So in many ways, this whole impeachment charade, the coup, whatever you want to call it, it's an obstruction of justice. 
because they're trying to protect Joe Biden. And you may look at these hearings and say, why is, why is Schiff talking for as long as he's talking? What does he think? He, do you think he's helping his case before the Senate jury? Oh, come on. Schiff knows this is going nowhere. He's not going to be able to remove the president. They're just happy to be in this process to torture the president for their base, for political purposes, maybe to sway voters, as I say, for the elections. And generally, as I say, freeze the Justice Department, make it politically impossible for the Trump administration to do justice, not only on the Ukraine scandal, but on Spygate, the worst corruption scandal in American history. Remember what's going on here. The president asked about Clinton emails, Ukraine interference in our elections, and the Biden cover-up. And what happens? The perps involved in all of that try to remove him from office. That's why I call it obstruction of justice. This is the great obstruction. I call it a lot of things. I call it the coup cabal. I call it the Alice of Wonderland impeachment. I call it the gossip girl impeachment. I call it the impeachment about nothing. But you know what the impeachment's about, though? Our Constitution, our republic, whether or not you're going to be able to pick the president of the United States or whether the Senate is going to intervene in our elections. Now, I don't know how the trial is going to go. Uh, you had, uh, I, I was up late watching it the other night, and Congressman Adler uh, accused uh, they had lost a series of votes trying to accelerate uh, the ability to call witnesses. Their timing, essentially, they're going to supposed to decide witnesses later on after arguments have been made by both sides, more or less. But that wasn't good enough for the kookaball. They wanted to push the issue up front because they thought that was politically important, uh, which is fine. I mean, in the end, you recognize they're trying to make their case and, and trying to make their case with the public. And, and, um, but... Nadler goes and tells the Senate that they're being treacherous for voting against their witnesses. Treacherous. So as, as of last week, I would have told you that there's going to be a group of Republicans who are going to will, be able, uh, as I've warned you, that there's a majority to, as I thought, to bring in witnesses to, uh, that would have the effect of causing Trump heartburn or trying to undermine Trump. And there probably wasn't a majority bringing in other witnesses that the president could use for his defense. Uh, well, I don't know if that's the case anymore. I'm beginning to think that there is no majority or there may not be a majority to bring in witnesses, which would not be the end of the world. As I've said before, this Senate trial is an abomination under the Constitution. I'm trying to outshout the train here. This was a coup. It was an abuse of a power in the House, of one, one that's never been seen before in the history of our country. As I say, a coup. And so, in my view, the Senate should never have, been, should never have agreed to a full Senate trial. And if it was to agree to any Senate trial, it should be curtailed in the sense that you make your arguments and then we're done with it. And the idea that there's anything justifying further discovery, further evidence gathering by Schiff and company, it's ridiculous under the law of common sense and the rule of law has traditionally applied by the courts. I mean, if I went in there and said, well, I've got this document. Let's say we're talking about Hillary Clinton. And Hillary Clinton sent an email saying, to someone, thank you for your support. And I go to the court and I say, Hillary Clinton is the worst person in the world. Obviously, when she says thank you for your support, she's talking about a bribe she received. Therefore, we should be able to bring in Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama and cause them to test, be, uh, force them to testify under oath. The court would say, get out of, get out of here, Tom Fitton, 
or Tom Fitton's lawyers. I don't, our lawyers would never do that because it'd be inappropriate. They say just because you have a fantasy about what this material means or you're creating a story around this, what this material means, it doesn't give you the ability to go into court and drag people in with you and force them to have to justify and defend themselves. It's absurd. And the idea that the evidence gathered to date would justify bringing in top presidential advisors whose communications with the president are constitutionally protected, so there's going to have to be litigation and fighting over that. There's no basis to do that. So people like Senator Collins, who, you know, Senator Collins, I don't agree with all of her politics. I, you know, she's too liberal in many respects. But remember what happened with Justice Kavanaugh. She was terribly victimized by the left. She was subject to violent intimidation by the left. And she bravely stood up to it, and she voted in favor of Justice Kavanaugh. She's been excoriated for that. And, um, and she's going to be under significant pressure now. Because, not because, uh, not for any legitimate reason, but because they think she's going to be fair to President Trump. That's the fear, that she'll be fair to President Trump. So I tell you what, if you're in Maine and uh, you're a constituent of Senator Collins, or maybe you're not in Maine, give her a call. Give her office a call. I'll let, them, I'll let her know what you think about what needs to be done here. And frankly, every one of you should be calling your senators. And I'm dead serious about this. You going to let Adam Schiff run the show? Or are you going to participate in this process? That's the question. You can call your senators at 202-225-3121. The Senate office is 202-225-3121. And I want you to call your senators multiple times over the next week or so. Why? Because they will have more than one decision to make. They're going to be voting on witnesses. They're going to be uh, uh, figuring out what questions to ask. So there's going to be additional decision-making. And, and as things happen, you should be sharing your views as, as, as uh, what happens that day with your senators. Support those. You know, even if you agree with what your senator's doing, say, hey, I agree with what you're doing. If you disagree with what your senator's doing, say, I disagree with what you're doing. You should think about it this way. Be respectful. You need to share your views and, and encourage your family. Encur encourage you know, all your markets, your family, your friends, your colleagues, those you go to church with to participate in this process because they're trying to steal your vote. They want the Senate to intervene. And whether or not he's vindicated or not, that's not the point. They want to torture, they want to extend the process and make the punishment, the process as punishing as possible uh, to change the outcome of the elections. And obviously that's inappropriate. Now, I know senators do things for political purposes, but the institution of the Senate, the trying of impeachment to be abused in a way to interfere with the elections, do you think that's appropriate? They're assaulting the president's right to conduct foreign policy. Uh, they are literally saying the president has no right to disagree with the deep state. And if the deep state disagrees with him on Ukraine, he should be removed from office for, dis for uh, pursuing a different policy. This is a deep state coup, and Schiff is implementing it. And what haven't we heard? We haven't heard from the whistleblower. He's not really a whistleblower in my view. We haven't heard from the Inspector General of the intelligence community who helped create the circumstances to get the whistleblower's so-called complaint publicized. He testified. Did you know that? He testified the shift, but shift doesn't want to share that with you. Maybe that's something you can ask your senators to ask for. Where's the whistleblower? Where's the ICIG? Like I said, I don't know if there are going to be witnesses, but I tell you what, if 
There are witnesses. The president should insist on blowing the whole thing up in terms of bringing in witness after witness after witness after witness. Barack Obama, Hillary Clinton, Lisa Page, Peter Strzok, James Comey, Michael Horowitz, the whistleblower, Schiff, Pelosi. They want to go there. They want to accuse him of being a traitor. Let's talk about the criminality and the lies. Because all of that was behind his issues with Ukraine that they're trying to destroy him over. Bring in Joe Biden. Bring in his son, Hunter. And now his brother, it looks like, was raking in money as a result of his relationship with Joe Biden. Bring in the whole Biden family. They want witnesses. There should be witnesses coming in and testifying to the Senate for the next four or five months, if that's what they want to do. But my guess is Senate doesn't want to do that. Which would be fine in the sense that it would stop the abuse of power by Schiff cold. Because no matter what happens, they're going to say it's a cover-up. I mean, they've got a political story, and they're making, up it, making it up as it goes along. So you've got to just figure out to do the right thing. You know, I was on the radio, I was on the radio yesterday, or was talking to, um, I've done a lot of media, so I forget who I was talking to. So I was talking to someone who asked me, What's going to, what is going to be the outcome? And I said, the outcome's not going to be good. I said, the president's going to be vindicated. He's going to be exonerated. He's going to be acquitted. But the cost to our nation is, uh, is just terrifying. Our Constitution will have been undermined. The rule of law will be of knocked to the ground. The president will be victimized and harassed. It will affect our ability to communicate with other nations, conduct foreign policy. Your right to vote will have been undermined. The civil rights of all Americans will have been undermined. Adam Schiff was referencing phone records that, in my view, he illicitly obtained of Rudy Giuliani and other Americans, and he published them again in the Senate, violating the civil rights of Trump and Giuliani again. Did you know the House can go and get your phone records? Well, Adam Schiff thinks they can for any reason they want. Adam Schiff, if anyone should be testifying, it should be Adam Schiff. So I've long said Adam Schiff shouldn't even be running the show over there because he's a witness. And certainly he's compromised. He's ethically compromised. Now, I know it sounds frustrating, right? Because it sounds, you know, it sounds like I'm saying, well, everyone's going to get away with everything. Because there's going to be no witnesses. I mean, Trump will be acquitted. But as I point out, at great damage. So what is to be done? Well, there are a few things the administration can do, that Congress can do, but I'm going to start with what Judicial Watch is doing. Because I know it's frustrating, but there's one way to get this government accountable, which is to use the tools given to us under the Constitution and under law to hold the government accountable. And so the Senate may not want to talk about this. They may not want witnesses for reasons good and bad. The House obviously is in cover-up mode. So what to do? Well, Judicial Watch files, in the least, Freedom of Information Act requests and lawsuits to try to get the full truth about what's going on here. And you may think, well, what good is that? Well, you know, Judicial Watch's lawsuits on Benghazi and the Clinton conflicts of interest uh, uncovered the Clinton email scandal uncovered the Clinton pay-to-play scandal, uncovered the Benghazi scandal. And the consequences of that in terms of history is Hillary Clinton's not the president of the United States. Now, we did not do that to cause that result because we don't evolve ourselves in elections like that. We don't support or endorse candidates. 
We're just doing our job. She's a notorious public, public figure. We were investigating issues of major public importance. And the consequences were the American people held her to account. We've uncovered key aspects of Spygate, as I've discussed previously here. You wouldn't need to read the IG report on Spygate if you were following Judicial Watch because we pretty much exposed much of it. And what are we doing on these specific issues? We've sued for the emails of the alleged whistleblower. So we're going to find out. We hope but we're pushing the issue in court to find out what he was up to. We're suing Adam Schiff over that phone record scam he was running where he issued a subpoena that was, in my view, lawless and then certainly abusively published the phone records of innocent Americans, Giuliani, Devin Nunes, John Solomon, a reporter. Joe Biden, we've got three lawsuits on Joe Biden. They don't want to bring Joe Biden in, right? Well, Judicial Watch wants to figure out what went on with that corruption scandal. So we've sued on uh, his Burisma dealings, and we've sued on his China dealings. And we have many other FOIAs pending that we'll be filing additional lawsuits on. We're supposed to all fall down when we hear about the deep state Obama-appointed ambassador Yovanovitch, the uh, Ukrainian, our ambassador to Ukraine that President Trump recalled. Well, we had information that she had told Ukrainian embassy staff to monitor the social media accounts of American citizens in violation of law. Who were those American citizens? The president's son, Donald Trump Jr., the president's lawyer, Rudy Giuliani, Sean Hannity, Laura Ingram, Blue Dobbs, our friend Dan Bongino. Oh, by the way, you got to watch my interview with Dan Bongino this week. It's great. Other journalists like Sarah Carter, again, John Solomon, was in violation of the, and they say, well, you know, and, and the, this is the argument. Well, she can do that because they were only monitoring social media accounts and those are public. No, the government is not allowed to create files and monitor you, even in public, using even public information. There's got to be a lawful reason for doing so. So we first exposed that. We asked under law for the records there. Of course, we were denied by the State Department per usual. Getting tired of that, I tell you. So we sued. So for all the noise about what these people did and didn't do, only Judicial Watch is trying to get to the heart of the real scandal here. And this is in addition to all of our lawsuits about the corruption, the Spygate scandal, the worst scandal in American history. If you want to know how backwards Washington is, we've had confirmation six ways to Sunday that the President of the United States was illegally spied upon. We had the FBI director under Obama fired by Trump. We had the number two FBI director, uh, well, acting FBI director, and then he was number two. He was, that was his title, fired by Trump. All referred for criminal prosecutions. Evidence that they were spying on confirmation by the IG that they were spying on Trump illegally. They were targeting Carter Page on paper, but the target, the real target was Donald Trump, the president. He gets spied upon. They had this smear operation targeting him with the defamation that he was a traitor. And who was one of the chief proponents of that conspiracy, that grand defamation? I call it the great defamation. Adam Schiff. He pushed a dossier. He opposed Evan Nunes' efforts to uncover who was behind the dossier. Opposed it. Told agencies to don't cooperate with Devin Nunes' efforts to uncover what really went on there. 
He's a cover-up artist. Is that obstruction of Congress? Of course. The Justice Department needs to get on the ball in terms of prosecuting people, I know. I'm telling you what Judicial Watch is doing. What is the Justice Department going to do? Are they going to issue reports or are they going to do prosecutions? Let's hope they do prosecutions. Certainly, the more FOIA information we get out, I think that is uh, necessary. It may not be sufficient to get prosecutions done but it makes it more likely because the public will be more educated and there may be more public pressure for more accountability as a result of our FOIL requests being answered. I mean, the only reason the FBI did an investigation of Hillary Clinton was because Judicial Watch was taking the lead. They had no choice. And if I were the president, I would directly appoint a special counsel to investigate all of this. I don't trust the Justice Department and the FBI any further I could throw them. It doesn't mean I don't like AG, uh, the Attorney General. It just, I, I recognize the institutional corruption at the Justice Department that will not change even if you have men and women of goodwill at leadership positions. And in the case of the FBI, uh, Director Ray, the most charitable interpretation is that he is oblivious to the corruption. The less charitable uh, interpretation is he doesn't care about it. He's focused on protecting the FBI, and he is focused on protecting the crooks who have been running it before he was there. As I've told you repeatedly, they've been opposing us on a lot of key issues on these transparency issues. So the president should appoint, he can appoint a special counsel separate and apart from the Justice Department? Yes, he can, because he's president. The left doesn't want the president to be able to be president. He's not allowed to fire ambassadors. He's not allowed to fire FBI directors. He's not allowed to talk to foreign leaders. He's not allowed to hold up aid for a minute and a half as he reassures himself that taxpayer dollars aren't being sent to a black hole of corruption. But of course he's allowed to enforce the law, appoint special counsel. And he should order release of all the documents we've been fighting about. He can click his heels three times, as I say, proverbially speaking, and release it all. State Department's covering up for Joe Biden. The CIA's covering up for the shift leaker. Justice Department's covering up for everybody. So he's got to take some steps, I would think, directly. What's Congress got to do? Well, Congress needs the social leadership in policing their own. Adam Schiff has two ethics complaints pending against him. One for allegedly improperly disclosing or confirming classified information in violation of the rules of the House. And the other is over his um, improper coordination with anti-Trump witnesses, both of which were filed by Judicial Watch and both of which have been buried by the ethics process in the House of Representatives. Well, if I were in the House and I were concerned about corruption by Adam Schiff, I would highlight those issues. Republicans have yet to do that. Call the House. Call your House members. Raise concerns about this corruption. And you have other protected parties like Ilhan Omar. There's been reports there's a criminal investigation of her. I don't know if those, that report is accurate or not, but there ought to be. You got this in your face evidence of marriage fraud, tax fraud, student loan fraud, immigration fraud. We can't even be sure it's her last, her last name is what she says it is. Anyone else would have been investigated Months ago on it. So I hope there's a criminal investigation, but there at the least ought to be an ethics investigation by the House. This is what Schiff is doing. This is what Pelosi is doing. Did you know the State Department recently issued a report that there were 600 national security violations 
found connected to the Clinton email server, including many that were purposeful? Where's the, where's the criminal investigation of that? Did you know that the FBI found that 14 FBI agents, senior level people, improperly disclosed, classified, sensitive material? Not one prosecution yet of that. There's a lot to be done. So we're going to see further abuse of the president in this impeachment sham. And the question is, is there going to be accountability for that corruption? We know through our litigation, our FOIA requests, that the State Department, for instance, was coordinating with Democrats in the House and the Senate to try to destroy Donald Trump even before he was inaugurated. He gets elected. There's a period of time before he's inaugurated. And what the State Department was doing was shoveling garbage out, classified information, which if they were shoveling out for political purposes, would be illegal. You know what's interesting about the impeachment? I told you how President uh, uh, Adam Schiff, I, I think he probably sees himself as president, certainly has been running the House, and now he wants to be, take, he wants to take over the Senate, is uh, we've got the sort of evidence that suggests actual corruption. Adam Schiff has evidence by uh, related Donald Trump that has perfectly innocent explanations and suggests no corruption and actually provides information that there was no corruption. It suggests innocence. So every time you hear Adam Schiff make up motivations, we've got evidence that confirmed what was going on. They were trying to get Trump. What's the equivalent of the insurance policy text message between Strzok and Page that Schiff has? Nothing like that. And what a waste of money. We got 100 senators being held hostage, as I say, by Adam Schiff right now. They should be doing other things as senators. The House is frozen. They're not doing anything. We may disagree as to what Congress should be doing right now, legislatively or policy-wise or investigative-wise or oversight-wise, but we would all agree they need to be doing something other than harassing impeachment of the President of the United States that undermines the rule of law, undermines our national security, undermines our foreign policy, undermines our Constitution, and sets a precedent that will continue to undermine the Republic for generations to come. And the Senate needs to be that line. And I hope they recognize this role, at least a majority of them do, and cut this short as soon as they're able. And I encourage you once again to make call and call again. So in the meantime, so you've got this corruption of Adam Schiff lying about the President of the United States. Uh, and in fact, rather than being a perp, as I call it, the president is a crime victim, and it's further confirmed in a, uh, the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court issued an order just uh, this week, yesterday, confirming that the Justice Department has disavowed, disavowed two of the spy warrants. I want to bring you up to date on the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court because Judicial Watch exposed that the court's the problem as well. How did we figure that out? Well, first of all, it was quite obvious when looking at the FISA applications that they were garbage. They should have just been rejected on their face. Secondly, we figured out that the FISA courts, and it was Judicial Watch who figured this out, we actually had to sue to try to get the information. We figured out the FISA courts held not one hearing, not one hearing, on the spy warrants targeting Trump. And the president, as candidate and as president. Now, these FISA courts are trying to provide oversight of the FISA process, and they allow warrants to go through 
targeting the president of the United States and they don't have a hearing on it? That's negligent, don't you think? And then they know two years ago there were reasons to suspect that the FISA courts were defrauded by the lies of the FBI Justice Department under Obama and then, frankly, under President Trump, by the Kukabal running the Justice Department and the FBI at the time. They didn't do anything about it. They, didn't, they waited to the IG report to tell them things that they knew or should have known for at least two years. So their response, the court's response, was to tell the FBI, I want you to give me a report as to why I should believe anything you say on these warrants and any warrants based on because of the criminality uncovered in these IG reports and the lies and misstatements uncovered in these IG reports. Obviously, I'm summarizing what the court told the FBI, but I think it's a fair summary. And in the mean, and this, during this time period, uh, Chief Justice Roberts appointed, in, so the FISA court, just so you know, is the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court, the FISC court. I call it FISA court because that's what uh, it's typically known as. And uh, there's a set of judges that uh, are on the court appointed by the Chief Justice of the United States. So the head of the FISA court uh, recently just uh, retired from the head of the, he stepped down as head. And she was running the court during this, as I said, this period of fraud. And uh, just Justice Roberts, uh, Chief Justice Roberts appointed uh, Judge Boasberg, who is, a, a uh, is an Obama appointee, to be the presiding judge of the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court. Now, Judge Boasberg is, uh, as I said, an Obama appointee. Uh, we've been before him a few times. He sometimes gives us rulings we like. He often, give us, he often gives us rulings we don't like. And in many ways, like too many judges here, both Republican and Democrat, they're way too deferential to the government. Way too deferential to the government. D.C. is a government town. So the independence of the courts, that's a big lie. The courts aren't independent. The courts too often work hand in glove with uh, the government in, uh, against the interests of the American people and contrary to law. At least that's been my experience at Judicial Watch. So um, uh, Director Ray gave a, uh, uh, a, a response as ordered by the court to reassure the court what he was doing to fix the problem. And Ray basically said, oh, we're going to do some training and we got some memos out and reminding everyone what they need to do when we're adding different layers of bureaucracy in to make sure this mistake doesn't happen again. No word that anyone's fired. No word that anyone's getting prosecuted. Basically, no admission. To the degree anyone thinks of it as apology, that's a scam. But, troubling, uh, but uh, disturbingly, Judge Boasberg uh, appointed a Obama official who worked in the National Security Division. He's an expert on FISA. But after he retired from the Obama administration, he became an anti-Trump activist and was defending the FISA issue, even as Nunes was highlighting the corruption. So he was an anti-Trump activist on the other side of those trying to highlight FISA corruption. And Judge Boasberg appointed this individual whose name is escaping me now, and I don't want to tell you what his name is because I'll probably na name someone else who's not the guy. But you can look it up. And he named him as an amicus for the court. So he was basically given official designation by the court as a friend of the court to help the court analyze the FBI's response here uh, or efforts at reform. And so people are like, what are you doing, Judge Boasberg? What are you doing, Judge? Couldn't you find an expert who hasn't commented and attack those criticizing this FISA process, like Devin Nunes, who, who's been vindicated? And in, in appointing this person, he's further undermining, the courts further undermined, uh, further undermined, don't you think, the confidence of Americans 
in the court to fairly administer justice? That's the, the standard. The courts rely, and all the ethics rules and everything the courts do, it, it has to be done with the thought that people should have confidence in the fair administration of justice. Now, do I think Judge Boasberg purposely went out and found an anti-Trump activist? No. I mean, this is, this is a well-connected individual who is a subject matter expert, and that he made a terrible mistake in doing so. Maybe I'm being too charitable. I've saved all my outrage for Adam Schiff. I'm sparing some on, on the FISA court here. But, you know, all that aside, People are debating, well, should the president reauthorize uh, the FISA court process or are the reforms necessary or sufficient? That doesn't matter. There were, there, were no, there were rules in place to prevent the corruption that occurred. But because for political reasons they lied and subverted the rule of law, subverted justice, obstructed justice, lied to the courts, engaged in criminal activity, it's already outlawed. And the response, the typical response in D.C. is, let's make more laws, but let's not prosecute those who violated the laws. So if you want FISA court reform, if you want to be sure that you won't be spied on illegally, or you want to be sure no other president, no other presidential candidate is subjected to criminal spying by his political opposition running the current administration, like Barack Obama did to President Trump, you got to put people in jail. That's the only way it's going to stop. It's the only way it's going to stop. So over the next few months, you're going to hear debates on whether the FISA court should be reauthorized. Don't be distracted, America. The debate shouldn't be whether the court should be authorized. The debate should be who should be prosecuted for illegally spying on President Trump. So this is what the order says. Confirming the criminality. Order regarding handling and disposition of information. Thanks in large part to the work of the Office of Inspector General, U.S. Department of Justice, the court has received notice of material misstatements and omissions in the applications filed by the government in the above captioned dockets. In Ray Carter Page, a U.S. person is the docket entry. DOJ assesses that with respect to the applications in docket numbers 17-375 and 17-679, quote, if not earlier, there was insufficient predication to establish probable cause to believe that Carter Page was acting as an agent of a foreign power, close quote. And that was in a December 9th letter. So they told the court there was probable cause. And they finally told the court that at least two in the applications and the two applications. So remember, there was the initial application in the fall of 2016 before the election, and there were three renewals. And the Justice Department, interpreting this, has just told the, uh, the FISA court that the two latest applications, the one signed by Rod Rosenstein, I think the other one was signed by Andrew McCabe, may have been signed both on. Uh, McCabe may have had a hand in both of them. I don't have the documents in front of me signed during the Trump administration, application three and four, were garbage, were lies. The government further reports that the FBI has, quote, has agreed to, quote, to um, sequester all collection the FBI acquired pursuant to the court's authorization let me start over. The government further reports that the FBI has agreed, quote, to sequester, sequester all collection the FBI acquired pursuant to the court's authorization in the above listed four docket numbers targeting Carter Page, pending further review of the OIG report and the outcome of related investigations in any litigation, close quote. The government has not described what steps are involved in such sequestration, sequestration, or when it will be completed. It has, however, undertaken to provide an update to the court when the FBI completes the sequestration 
and to update the court on the disposition of the sequestered collection at the conclusion of related investigations and any litigation. To date, no such update has been received. So basically, the FBI, because they had a valid warrants, have agreed to sequester, wall off the material gathered from the warrants, the spy garbage they picked up on Trump and Carter Page and who knows who else, because they're not allowed to have it. So they had to kind of wall it off. And the court's like, they haven't told me what they're doing. And they basically admitted the two other applications they haven't, quote, made an official acknowledgement on yet. They, they can't even be sure that they should be able to gather, use information from there. So they're going to wall that off. The court understands the government to have concluded in view of the material, misstatements and omissions, that the court's authorizations in docket numbers the two latest applications, were not valid. The government apparently does not take, an admission, take a position on the validity of the authorizations in the first two applications, as I said, but intends to sequester information acquired pursuant to those dockets in the same manner as information acquired pursuant to the subsequent dockets, which is what I just said. Title I of the Foreign... This is the criminality. Title I of the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act, codified as amended, and he, he quotes the, the, the law, or cites to the law, governs electronic surveillance conducted for foreign intelligence purposes. It requires minimization procedures that, were reasonably, that are reasonably designed to minimize the acquisition and retention and prohibit the dissemination of non-publicly available information concerning unconsenting United States persons consistent with the need of the United States to obtain, produce, and disseminate foreign intelligence information. It also makes it a crime to intentionally disclose or use information obtained under color of law by electronic surveillance, knowing or having reason to know that the information was obtained through electronic surveillance, not authorized by FISA or other express statutory authorization. And then the court goes on to say, tell me what you're doing. Tell me how you're fixing it. Tell me how you're protecting this information. What other investigations have been impacted by this? You know what's been impacted by this? Your country, your republic, the presidency. He's being impeached based on this whole theory, these fraud dossiers. Because the Ukraine questioning has to do with this as well. We don't know whether FISA warrants there were. Was Flynn the subject of a FISA warrant? Remember, there was more than one person who was investigated as a result of this scam Russia's case. Flynn, Manafort. The fourth FISA application was signed off during the Mueller investigation. Everything Mueller did has now been tainted. I've been telling you that since the get-go. Now it's confirmed by the Justice Department. Now it's confirmed by the Justice Department. The President of the United States has more than enough justification, not that he needs any because the Constitution gives him plenary power to do this, to pardon everyone caught up in the Mueller investigation. He can pardon Flynn, he can pardon Manafort, he can pardon everyone. Because the investigations are tainted by criminality. And I'm still waiting for the court to say, I'm instituting criminal proceedings. related to obstruction of the court process, the misuse of this surveillance. I read you the part about minimization. Do you think they minimized the collection of information on Carter Page and Donald Trump? Of course not, they were desperate. So as the corrupt liberal media that collaborated with the gang disseminating and leaking classified information that was also misleading and lying to the court, would have you focus on the impeachment based on nothing, we have further confirmation the President of the United States is a crime victim. So I don't know what Durham's doing, but they better get to go. And, and in the meantime, Judicial Watch will do, we've got our FOIAs and requests about all of this corruption much of which we exposed before the IG report did. <laughs> Certainly more before the FISA court admitted that there was misconduct here or acknowledged it.
So the crisis continues, folks. So uh, there's another big story this week. It's the abortion debate. Uh, it's front and center because the, uh, this is the anniversary of Roe versus Wade. What year anniversary is it? It was 1973, so it's 2003 is 47 years. Is that what it is? So 47 years of abortion on demand thanks to judicial fiat. And uh, many of us conservatives want to extend the protections of the rule of law to the unborn. And uh, that's been a challenge because the judicial branch has taken up powers the Constitution does not allow them to have and has restricted the ability of the states in large measure to protect unborn life. And uh, there's been changes in the Supreme Court jurisprudence that has allowed more abortion restrictions. So that's where the fights have been um, centered around in the last uh, 15 years or so. You've had heartbeat bills, you've had the successful passing and the court upholding the partial birth abortion ban. And the most recent Supreme Court case to take this up is a uh, case out of Louisiana where the Supreme Court is considering challenges by not women, but abortion providers to the Unsafe Abortion Protection Act. The law requires doctors who perform abortions to have admitting privileges at a nearby hospital. And uh, so what's happening is abortionists are coming in and trying to overturn the law. Now, this is an, the, the Judicial Watch has filed what we call an amicus brief, a friend of court brief, to uh, explain or help educate the court on a legal issue we think it ought to consider as it takes up this case. Uh, and, uh, of course, abortion's front and center this week that uh, it's only coincidental that we did the lawsuit this because you know, the, the brief was due around now uh, because they had the March for Life. Uh, the president spoke at the March for Life, the first time the president uh, in U.S. history has done so, as I said, for 47 years. Uh, so uh, abortion's a big issue these days. So what do we say in the brief? Well, this is an issue that's broader than abortion. It's the issue of standing. And Judicial Watch, uh, and standing is the idea that a court, just because you may not like something happening, it doesn't mean you have the standing to go to court and get a resolution and get someone to stop, in this case, the government to overturn a law or to stop enforcing a law, get the court to stop, get the government to stop enforcing a law. And uh, Judicial Watch, when we pursue litigation, that's always a challenge to any um, person pursuing litigation or any group like Judicial Watch. So what's the standing? We may not like something, but there may not be a process that we can take advantage of in the court because we don't have standing. We're not being harmed. And so uh, it's never been really an issue for the left because the left writes the law and standing is never an issue for the left. It rarely is an issue for the left because the courts are court jurisprudence on standing is run by liberals and um, liberals get a lot more access to the courts than the conservatives do. Uh, we've seen this directly where we basically have pursued basic standing issues that anyone else would be able to pursue but we can't. We had some Obamacare issues on that regard. Uh, on environmental issues, for instance, they've written the law in such a way as that you can go and have standing in court just because you don't like the way a forest will look after a few trees are going to be cut down. That gives you standing. Can you believe that? And in the case of this, in the case of this abortion law, you had abortionists coming in to... Uh, supposedly to argue on behalf of women who seek abortions. Well, you know, that's typically not what courts allow to do. As we point out, plaintiffs, the people filing the lawsuit, generally may file a lawsuit only to protect their own rights, not the rights of others. In this litigation, the lower court allowed third-party abortion interests to challenge the law on the theory they represent the interests of women. But as we point out, expanding health and safety requirements, as I said, the law requires increased um, safety at abortion clinics. For abortionists, you know, that can be argued to be in the interest of the women who use abortion clinics. This is the quote from the brief. Plaintiff's actual interests are made clear. 
unfettered access to perform abortions free of any regulation, presumably for financial gain. No individual women appear as plaintiffs in the case. No women testified that they preferred not to have a, their abortion providers have admitting privileges or they preferred abortion providers to ignore the FDA-approved use of abortion medications. It defies logic to think that women would not have an interest in these things. Hence, the conflict of interest between the litigant abortion providers and the third-party women rights holders. So the point of the brief is, you could be a woman seeking an abortion in a clinic, and you may, yeah, say, I want my doctor to have admitting privileges to a hospital in case something goes wrong, and I don't want anything to slow up my getting admitted to the hospital. But because abortion is treated differently than other so-called rights, the lower courts let these abortion providers come in and pretend to represent all women. So if you're a woman listening to this broadcast, do you think abortion providers represent your interests? Any one of you say no, you'll see where we're coming from. Judicial Watch argues the Supreme Court to rein in this abuse of the courts. Petitioner's claim of assumed third-party standing would effectively gut both the purpose and application of third-party standing. They would essentially be free to challenge any law that even directly touches on abortion simply because they fall into a category of favored litigants. Again, different standards for the left. This defeats the purpose of the political process, warts the will of the people, and contravenes the role of the legislature. In every case where litigants like petitioners, the abortion lobby, abortionists, have used assumed third-party standing, legislative hearings and debate, public hearing, um, all of that, uh, legislative hearings and debate, public hearings and debate, and political election exercises have been for naught, completely neutralized by their desire to leapfrog the political process and use the courts to overturn these laws. Anti-democracy. Slow motion coups, if I may add. You know, the left and abortion interests regularly abuse the law to try to change laws. And in this case, they're trying to challenge laws that restrict abortion. So they really can't find anyone who's been harmed by the laws. So the courts, uh, liberal jurists, judicial activists, have let these abortionists come in because they don't like the underlying law and they want to try to figure out a way to overturn them. So they bring in a plaintiff who has no business being in court. That's the problem. And it's typical of the left. The Supreme Court should put a stop to the misuse of the courts by interests that seek to overturn laws passed by the people's representatives. So, I mean, th this, this whole attack on our republic is so broad. I talk about impeachment. I talk about spying. But you have to remember, the courts are also being abused. And we're asking the Supreme Court to reform it and put a stop to it. So the case is about abortion, but it's about the misuse of the activist left of the courts to come in and stop everything from happening. You see this in immigration where you have plaintiffs who, they've wildly, vastly expanded the ability of um, illegal aliens to challenge the ability of the president to defend the country and secure our borders. You see that time and time and day, again, where courts are allowing our country to be run by foreign nationals who have no right under law to be here. It's unbelievable. That's just another example. It's not just abortion. So this is an issue that is uh, kind of a technical issue legally, but very much important to your right to govern yourselves. Again, who should run your life? Who should figure out whether or not you can pass a law that doesn't touch on constitutional rights in any reasonable way? You or, or judges who want to substitute their political judgment for yours. That's the crisis in judicial activism that we're trying to address. So. That's why I love Judicial Watch. You know, we've got, we're in the middle of the impeachment fight. We're uncovering the spy gate. And yes, we're in the courts every day trying to save the republic 
from an activist judiciary and the left that's abusing the judiciary to undo our constitutional republic. So uh, I thank you for your support. Oh, I forgot. This is our T-shirt. This is the superhero T-shirt. And uh, we have other great merchandise on our website at judicialwatch.org. Uh, you go to the website, click on Shop JW, and you can get this T-shirt and other merchandise. And uh, every, everything you purchase, a part of that uh, goes to uh, support our work. And uh, so it's a great way to show your support from Judicial Watch and great, get some great stuff like this shirt. So uh, they made this uh, special superhero T-shirt. Um, and of course, I'm not a superhero. You're the superheroes because we can't do it without your work. So I want you to get this shirt uh, to uh, show your support for us and, uh, and show that uh, you, you deserve credit as well for the good work we do because of your support. So thank you. Have a great week. And I'll see you next time here on the Judicial Watch Weekly Update. You have just listened to Tom Fitton's Weekly Update on JW TalkNet. Remember to subscribe and donate at judicialwatch.org slash donate.